0: Hi friends, it's James Preddy here and uh, I am recording my regular message that I would have given on March 15th, 2020 uh, for the holidaying community. Uh, We are doing a series on the seven deadly sins and uh, uh, I'm doing this one from home because I am uh, (laughs) in uh, self-isolation. Because uh, Randy and I were exposed to somebody who has uh, is going to be tested, but uh, has been ordered to be tested for COVID-19 by their uh, doctor, and and that doctor said that uh, everybody that was around that person recently should be self-isolating. So we are doing that. So I'm recording this from home. Uh, so that we can carry on because there 's a lot of things we just want to keep carrying on with life uh, as best we can, and one of those things would be uh I, I this series and I was excited to get this series going um i think it's a it 's a good series it 's vital, and so uh, even in the midst of this unprecedented time of of distraction uh and seriousness about covid nineteen coronavirus we Uh, still want to be growing in our understanding of what it means to be led by God, uh, to be centered in the love of God, and uh, we're using these seven deadly sins to talk about that. In fact, you know, one of the ways we could think of each of these seven deadly sins is to think of them as seven deadly distractions. Uh, That's really what they are. They're, They're distractions, ways that we are distracted from centering in the love of God, and so we want to subversively uh, uh, look at them and and talk about it, uh, but subversively uh, turn it around to see that God might lead us even through the uh, think talking about the temp- the temptation, the distraction, to actually centering back in Jesus. So today. Uh, we are talking about lust. This is the third in the series and I think right in the midst of t- this uh coronavirus stuff that's going on uh to talk about lust uh how, how you know it's just seems uh kind of funny but uh we are uh we don't want to be uh distracted from you know the things that uh, we need to talk about and this is certainly one of the things we need to talk about it's uh ancient church thought this as one of the seven deadly distractions from centering on god so even in the midst of coronavirus we're going to talk about it uh and you uh, know <laughs> you know it's it's funny I, uh some people think uh we can't joke about things um but uh, I think, uh, you know, especially in times of uh, deep seriousness, it's okay to uh, also have some humor because uh, one of the things in putting this whole uh, series together, uh, i got to tell you, Randy said, just make sure that I would not uh, ha- schedule him to be talking about lust. He, he just did not want to. talk. And I thought, well, that is so odd. You think with somebody named Randy, who better to talk about lust? Really? Come on. Uh Haha, ha, there you go. And if we were in a crowd, there'd be uproarious laughter at that point. Uh, meanwhile, uh, uh what we're doing is with each of these seven deadly distractions, we're we're looking at somewhere where we might see Jesus interacting with somebody who is experiencing in, in the gospel stories the, the distraction of this uh you know deadly sin, so-called. So the one today uh, we're we're looking i'm going to read through the little story of uh, the incident when uh there was um in John eight where uh the um, woman was caught in adultery so it's a it's a famous story and it's one that I think even subversively we can look at uh, uh, and it might be saying something a little different than what you might expect me to say about it so uh here let me start uh, and we're in John. Eight, starting in verse 3 it says the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery and they made her stand before the group and the group were people who were there uh, around Jesus probably uh, you know, maybe even in the uh, um, uh, there in Jerusalem and, and and they brought her in front of a crowd of people who had been listening to Jesus and uh you know, first of all, I think that uh, this this demonstrates maybe the uh, one way of understanding what lust is. Uh, what lust is, as I understand it, it's rather than love, it's, it's objectifying somebody or something. And that's really what's happening here, is that these men uh, grab this woman who uh, doesn't explain how she was caught uh, in the act, the very act of adultery. But there she is, and they 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 literally use her, and you know it doesn't. What's interesting too, I think it never mentions, uh, presumably the man that she was with, committing adultery with. Uh, That man disappears; he's never talked about. But this woman is used as an object by these men. They make her stand. Before Jesus, you know, one of the things I notice, even when you you look up uh, the seven deadly sins, and there's uh, pictures that have uh, uh, sort of um, uh, you know uh, uh, images that represent each of these deadly sins. Most of the ones that uh, have to do with lust are a picture of some kind of sexy, alluring woman, and I think even even in that way, that shows us that. Uh, Even even how we think about what lust is, we objectify it uh, as a woman. We objectify women as that image of what it is. And I think that's literally what it is. It is the objectification of another person uh, that we are uh, distracted by that. And, And rather than loving, we use people or things as objects for our own gratifications and and that's that's really what's happening what these teachers of the law and the Pharisees are doing to this woman they put her in front of this crowd and 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 like like it's like it's uh, uh, her fault again like these images you see that represent what lust is uh here's this alluring sexy woman as if it's her fault like she's Tempting me, and it, it uh, sometimes, or maybe often, we we do blame the victim. I think, and that's really what's happening here. They're blaming the victim. And in a lot of ways, this woman, and certainly in her culture, she would have no power to be the one who uh, uh, was you know maybe uh uh instigated the uh the actual uh, adultery that she was caught in uh she'd be powerless uh so again where's the man who probably did the instigation of this this woman uh is actually trapped by these men but as usual i think uh people especially women are are blamed and they are often blamed for uh male uh, temptation. Oh, she, she she did this to me. Well, no, it's really what's in our hearts that is distracting us from being centered in Jesus. And and for a lot of reasons we're going to talk about it in a minute, we we objectify others, people and things. In fact, what we do is we we, uh, we reduce. People, as they are reducing this woman here in this story to an object. Uh, one of the ways they're doing that is they're, they're using her, they're, they're reducing her to an object of morality. They're using her as a prop to trick Jesus. We'll see in a minute. So they're literally using this woman, and that's what lust really is. It's objectifying people, using people or things for my gratification. In fact, I'd, I'd say sex is not the problem. You know, sex itself is a beautiful part of God's creation. But we distort it. We rather than love, we get distracted by using people or things as objects for our own gratification. We use people and things. Uh, sometimes we we're using them as fantasies, uh, whether it's pornography, uh, you know, but there's all kinds of different porn. Uh, you know, there are some advertising, you know, when you see uh, you know, pictures of beautiful homes, and I you know, I call it house porn. You know, where it's this fantasy that we lust after. It could be cars. It could be other stuff. It could be a vacation that we see pictures of other people's vacations. We think, oh, and we we, we lust after it. And there's another part where uh, of this distraction. It, it has to do with wanting to possess, to possess and have power uh, and to control people and things, to have power over it. And nothing has a greater power in our lives than the power of intimacy. So that is all wrapped up in what this distraction from being centered in Jesus is. It's rather than love, it's lust. Love is sacrifice and service and and delighting in in another uh, and, and honoring another as a fully uh, honorable person with personhood. Uh, but uh, love does that. Lust reduces people to objects, people and things. So now, now uh, let me emphasize, and we're trying to do this throughout this, the point is not to feel guilty. The point is to center in Jesus. So the point is I'm not trying to make us feel guilty about how we do this. We We know we do this. But rather, how might... The meditation on this lead us to center in Jesus. So let's first ask, where is Jesus in that experience uh, in John 8? What happens? Well, they bring this woman. She's standing there before Jesus. Uh, these men are all objectifying her. And they, uh, so picking it up, uh, the second half of uh, verse 3 there, they say, they made her stand before the group. And verse four says, and Jesus, or sorry, and they say to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of adultery. In the law of Moses, we are commanded to stone such women to death. Now, what do you say? And uh, boy, you know, even John says in verse six, he makes a little editorial comment here. John, uh, the the one who's put this in his gospel, he says, they were just using this question as a trap in order to have a basis to accuse Jesus. And, you know, and it's like our study that we just finished out of Galatians. You know, it's like, it's like they're putting to Jesus that there's only two options, either law or license. You know, It's either you have to have this you know, blind obedience to the law, or there is no law and just it's all do whatever you want. And as we saw through our study in Galatians, Jesus always has a third way. There's a different way. And and you say law and license really are two sides of one coin. And Jesus has a whole other bank of grace. So the Jesus way here is let's see what Jesus does. Uh, So so this is halfway through verse 6. He says, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. And we don't even know what he was doing there. We don't know what he was writing. Uh, you know, there's lots of uh, theories about this or guesses, but we just don't know. But what we do know is that Jesus pulled the distraction, he pulled the the centering off of that woman. And I think a beautiful thing that happened right there. The, the the unconditional love of God that we see in Jesus, one of the things he pulled that focus off of that woman onto himself. Now, everybody's staring at him as he's doodling on the ground. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful thing to consider. But verse seven says, they keep on questioning him. They kept on badgering him. So finally, he straightened up and he said, and it's a famous, it's this famous line that he says, and it's so powerful, so beautiful. He says, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to go ahead and throw a stone at her and then he stooped back down and kept writing in the ground like wow wow you know where, where is Jesus in this in the middle of lust in the human experience of lust where is Jesus in this scene he's right there he's right there with he's right there with all of them not there just with the woman. He's there with those Pharisees. He's there with those those experts on the law. He's there, maybe with the man who was committing adultery with this woman who has not uh, been caught. He is some. Maybe he's in the crowd too, watching what's happening. And there's a results of his distraction. Uh, and the disciples themselves are standing there. John, who wrote this, was standing there. He was one of the observers. Uh, we're all in this. Sometimes we're the very ones who are caught. And it's a terrible, terrible experience. And sometimes we're uh, the one that kind of got away with it. Uh, or, or we're the ones pointing fingers at others who are caught in this. Or we're just standing by watching and waiting to see what's gonna happen. Well, there's Jesus riding on the ground and he, and he makes this powerful statement go ahead anybody that is has never experienced this temptation or fallen for the trap of lust in your life you've never lusted go ahead throw a stone and then there's just a silence i just picture this silence amongst that crowd as jesus crouches back down and keeps doodling in the sand you know he caught them he caught them all there's a silence where i think every single conscience was just ser- just struck. Now again, the point is not to feel guilty. The point is to, to confess that we all do this. We are all distracted by lust. Rather than living in the love of God, we're distracted by lust. So here's Jesus stooping down, writing on the ground, and then John says, verse 9, at that point, those who heard what Jesus had said, they began to go away one at a time, the oldest ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. And that is so powerful. And it's just like, what a picture, what an honest picture of human nature. You know, being struck to the heart of their own distractions and realizing we're all in this together we've all been distracted by this temptation to lust rather than love and uh, I, I love it it's from the oldest they start first you know maybe there's a bit of a wisdom there they go wow you are so right jesus and they start to walk away uh, from the oldest to the youngest till the, all the men are gone and just Jesus there with this woman. And, and this is where we all need to stand. This is, we Ultimately, we, we stand uh, before Jesus and, and not with guilt, but with this beautiful honesty that we can be honest with Jesus and we can hear his love and, and see his loving face. Where, where Jesus then says to her, woman, where are they? Where are all the people that condemn you? has no one condemned you is there nobody left and she says no one sir and then beautiful word that Jesus says yeah neither do I condemn you and then he says this is interesting thing and then he declares go leave your life of sin uh, now we all know that uh we we have this uh natural sin nature that's that's in us that has been completely forgiven by God By faith in Jesus, uh, but we still carry with us these. We're still distracted by these, uh, these, these sins, uh, these ways that instead of being centered in Jesus, we're centered in other things. Distracted by other things, we fall for traps and we fall for these temptations. And uh, but how does Jesus show His unconditional love? He says, "I don't condemn you." It's not about me. Making you feel bad, and and he distracts all the condemners, you know, from the woman, and he shows this absolute love and respect and concern, and uh, I think this love and even delight for this woman, but he tells the truth, you know, she she was caught in this horrible circumstances, and this is what happens. We we do we've all experienced the outcomes of these distractions. And she was caught in that. And he tells her the truth. But yeah, the word that he says, as I hear it, I hear the loving word of Jesus being something like, you know, and, and, and you don't need to do that. You, you don't need to fall for that temptation. You don't need to be distracted by that. In fact, I love you. I love you. You don't need to live in lust. And if we were to use our imagination... And imagine, you know, we, we're, that, uh, we're that woman there. Uh, or we're maybe that man that uh, he was involved, but he got away with it. And he's standing there. Or, or we're the judges, you know, condemning others who are caught. Or, or we're like the disciples. We're just sort of the, the onlookers. And I think one of the things we can ask and, and contemplate is, what are we really looking for? What are we really longing for when we are tempted by lust? I think some of the things are that we're, we're wanting to be noticed. We're, we're wanting to be appreciated. We're, we're wanting to be uh, accepted. We want someone to look at us with desire, uh, with, with longing, uh, with, with uh, you know with a, a attraction. We're wanting to be loved we want to belong we uh, we want pleasure uh we want that in intimate pleasure with another uh and, and or with things we want that that uh, i we want to possess that person or thing for our pleasure and and some of that comes out of the fears that we live with we 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 fear that we are unlovable we fear that we're not enough. All of us have these wounds inside us, many experiences of rejection and, and the fear that compounds. Uh, maybe, maybe voices in our uh, experiences told us that we're not enough, that somehow we're not lovable. And so shame takes over our lives. And, we, and we're sh- ashamed, uh, we have deep shame that we carry around with us. Maybe shame of, of what we look like or shame of our actions, shame of the distractions we have been in, shame of what has gone on in our private minds, our thoughts or our actions. And uh, we've got to admit, we also, we, we do want to control uh, because of the fears that we have and the wounds we carry, the shame we carry, we we want to control it, and so that's that's really what uh, pornography or or uh, you know like I mentioned the other kinds of porn where it's house porn or car porn whatever porn it is because we want to own it we want to control it, and we have all these fantasies where we fantasize about uh, the look of desire in. in the eyes of another looking at us, telling us that we are desirable. And we, so lust, uh, it's kind of the promise of lust, the promise of ecstasy, the promise of intimacy, that we might be uh, fully naked and known and adored by another, fully accepted and cherished and fully enough. But, of course, lust doesn't provide those things. That's all fantasy. So what we want to do is to, is to focus on centering in Jesus. And we've talked about this idea of welcoming prayer. And one of the things that welcoming prayer can do is right in the midst of literally welcoming that, that thing that is a, a, a kind of a, a bad experience. And we say, well, we welcome it because it's there. Uh, rather than denying it, we welcome it. It's not condoning sin and it's not condemning the sinner it is welcoming that basic human experience and so if we were to right now with me if you were to just welcome that experience of lust to welcome that to close your eyes and think and just just imagine how do i experience how do i experience the feelings Of objectifying others people things for my own gratification how how might I how might I want to consume for my own pleasure people or things how might I want to possess to control how have I been frustrated disappointed with the experience of of lost The fantasy of lust that never provides what we're ultimately looking for. How have I experienced that? You can welcome it. Say, I welcome you, old friend, old experience, that common human experience of lust. There you are. Okay, yep, I know it. I can confess it. Here I am. And yes, I know this distraction of lust. But then we want to welcome Jesus. say, so what, what does Jesus do? W- where is Jesus? Well, he's right here. He's right here with us in the midst of our lust. And what does Jesus do? If you were to, again, just in your imagination, where's Jesus? How might Jesus be looking at you? And thirdly, we want to imagine Jesus welcoming us. Jesus welcomes you with all your lust. He welcomes you in the midst of all of that. Imagine you are that person caught. Now, how does Jesus show you his unconditional love? How does he show you kindness? What might Jesus' word of loving kindness be to you in the midst of this experience? What might Jesus' invitation to you be in the midst of lust? We'll put uh we'll put these questions in the bulletin this coming week and uh you can read these, and whether it's just for yourself or a uh, small group. In these days of uh, COVID nineteen coronavirus, so we want to make sure that they are we're only in small groups, and uh, uh, you know, having our uh, distance from each other, being cautious. But uh, so maybe in a small group or just at home, you might ask each other these kind of questions: How do I experience the distraction of lust? What what might be the deeper uh, need? That I am longing for, that I'm trying to see met through this lust, what what false self might be showing up in these desires, what or how might I be numbing my true self, trying to numb my true self through this distraction of lust, how might Jesus meet me in the midst of lust, and what might Jesus' invitation be, and how might We move from lust to love. How might Jesus move us from lust to love? I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to turn off this recording, and this will be your opportunity to spend some time in silence, letting the Lord meet you and invite you to center in him in the midst of even lust. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this story, this uh, incident that John uh, wrote down for us, that we have uh, saved in our gospel. And and we can read this, we can imagine the scene, and we can see ourselves in it. We are in that scene, and we can imagine you being with us in in the middle of it. And literally how you wrote on the ground there, just pull all the attention onto you. That's what we want to do. We want to center in you, center our lives in you. And we want to confess and admit we are all distracted by lusts of all kinds. And uh, we have fallen for those traps. We have been caught in all kinds of ways. And we want to say thank you that you you love us and you desire us. You are delighted with us. We can we can see you looking at us with absolute love, absolute kindness and desire. Thank you, God. Guide us into these uh, questions, ways that we can meditate on how might we center in you, even in our lustful nature. Amen.